everyone. This is Flippin' Finance. I'm Sam Mismore, and I'm joined by my co-host, Fabian. Hello, hello. Today is April 19th, 2023, and today we are covering, oh crap, we just had a kid. What do we do next? I've been there. Been, been there. Uh, as always, uh, kick to the closure music. None of this is investment advice. It does not constitute an offer to buy or sell any securities. And none of my opinions reflect those of my employer, Valeo Financial Advisors, or any of its affiliates. And things change. So we have no duty to go back and revise any of this information. With that, Fabian, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, but I think our audience is going to be more interested in, in how you're doing. We, we talked a little bit before we started recording, and you got into a story, and my cell reception dropped, which is perfect because now I can hear it for the first time on the podcast sure. with everybody else. So talk about what happened to you. Sure. So I'm in North Carolina in the middle of nowhere visiting my dad. Just say hi and everything. He actually just walked in. So we had to restart recording this. And I went for a little run. And um, if you've ever been North Carolina, just like some old back backcountry roads, I'm like, I'm like three miles into like a four-mile run. And I'm on this country road, middle of nowhere. And like 200 feet away, I see this like huge Doberman. It's like maybe 120 pounds. And I'm like, I like dogs, but this dog is not sprinting. It's not walking. It's kind of like trotting over to me, kind of looking. And I'm like, well, I'm on the road. I'm on the other side of the road. I'm like, maybe the dog knows not to cross the road type of thing. And it keeps coming. It keeps coming right at me. Oh my God. And I'm just like, I'm in like, I'm in the middle of nowhere. It's not like I can like run anywhere. So I just stop and I kind of put my fist out, you know, so the dog can dog and smell it and i'm like well maybe maybe it'll like stop it won't come across the road it comes across the road oh my god like my, my life is like slightly flashing in front of my eyes and i'm thinking of like how i would have to explain this to austin and like everything else and there's like uh luckily like a car comes up the car like slows down it sees it sees the the doberman and everything and sees me and i'm like oh my god if this dog attacks me i'm gonna have to jump on top of this car type of thing and it kind of like smells me a little bit and i'm just like just like having a calming <laughs> like breath and then it kind of turns around and runs back into the jar and i was just the guy pulls up and he's like man i thought i was about to see something crazy this morning and i was just like well thanks for your support dude <laughs> dobermans are terrifying it was huge it was huge they're terrifying and yeah. for anybody that runs outside it's kind of this constant fear especially if you have like headphones in when you're running you may or yeah. may not hear it and and every now and then you kind of get a surprise and most of the time people that will leave their dog off leashes will have like an invisible fence or something so you, yeah. you, you, yeah. you kind of just get scared but oh my gosh i can't imagine that thing just like coming up on you and you've just been like mexican standoff yeah yeah and we're like, I'm like huge country. But this yeah, guy probably I, had like I, I 10 acres. Scared. I'm like, there's no way he has an electric fence. There's no, there's no uh, collar on this dog. <laughs> that, um, yeah, that ain't happening. Well, glad, glad that you're okay. And you're able to make the recording happen today. Yeah. But like my last, my life flashing before my eyes is kind of pretty good for today's topic, which is, oh crap, we just had a kid. What should we be doing? 
because you never know when you might find yourself on a country road being mauled by a Doberman and having to explain that to your fiance or having someone else have to explain that to your fiance. So it's kind of good to have your ducks in a row. And that's, that's what today's uh, episode is about. I, I love this topic. I, I think this is very important for for anybody that's thinking about having kids or has kids uh, to, to learn about what you should be doing. You know, nothing makes mortality more real than having to care for for somebody else that isn't yourself. Uh, exactly. So, uh, what, yeah, what do you do financially after having a baby? I think this is an important topic and like the little things in a financial plan like, like this that we're gonna talk about are kind of like eating your veggies when it comes to financial planning, because you're never at a cocktail party and you overhear two bros be like, yeah, man, we had our first kid and we did the the, fault, the thoughtful thing. We got our state plan with an appropriate life coverage, got everything por- properly organized. And we're just good to go from like a protection standpoint. And then the other bro and be like, hell yeah, us too. That was such a fun experience. I love planning for our ultimate demise. I enjoyed it. You never hear that, you know? It's always like a, Oh, I bought such and such stock for blah, blah, blah. It's incredibly boring to me. So I feel like this is probably more impactful in case something happens than whatever stock uh, went up and down. So most people, and I think you're included here, Fabian, you guys started planning pretty early after the kiddo was there or after or when you guys were first pregnant, you were like, oh, we have to actually start figuring this out. Yes. Uh, it, it certainly wasn't, I was not at cocktail parties talking to my bros about, uh, financial and estate planning for, uh, for this baby that was, that was going to show up. So this was definitely after, you know, after the thought, after, you know, crew had come into this world is is when we got the ball rolling. But I I really do wish kind of looking back now that we had started a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, but really excited for you to jump into to these topics and in terms of what we should have done properly the first time and and what people can expect to do you know if they are planning to have a kid or just had a kid sure and i think there's a there's a couple things you can do before before you're pregnant or as soon as you begin planning for for that and a, a big one is just looking at your your medical insurance so making sure you have the proper coverage if you want to go low deductible high deductible type of plan, just thinking through that because the average cost of a pregnancy is roughly $18,000. That's, that's still total cost. That's not, that's not the out of pocket to you. The average out of pocket is usually two to $3,000 for a pregnancy, depending on your life insurance. So step one, figure out where your, where your medical insurance is. You should have an HR rep that you can talk to about it. Like, Hey, we're planning for this. What do we need to change? And you can usually change it at the beginning year or in the middle of the year. So you have the right proper medical uh, coverage for that. And then the other thing you can be doing is um, a health savings account. If you're in a high deductible healthcare plan, you can start putting money in that, get a tax benefit. Um, I would advocate for you to never really touch your HSA until you're older, but it's fine to get the tax benefit uh, today and pull money out if you need to from, from your HSA. So those are two really easy things just to think about from a, a money standpoint. And then the other thing is on the estate planning side, and unfortunately, uh, the act of giving birth is, is definitely uh, a dangerous event for, for women. So just making sure you have a healthcare power of attorney for your wife and assuming she likes and trusts you, um, you would be that, that person on the healthcare power of attorney just because like, you're going to have to be an advocate for them. And I, I know nothing about 
uh, being in a delivery room type of thing. But I do know you're supposed to help your partner and be an advocate for them and the, the medical team. But also, you might have to make uh, a decision uh, during that pregnancy um, to to help your wife. So, a healthcare power attorney will, depending on the state you're in, some states like a husband can make uh, a decision for the wife, and and some other states you need healthcare power of attorney. So, just making sure you have that document uh, ready to go, type of thing. Yeah, and and I would also say, kind of going through that process, you know, about two years ago, is just have those conversations on any decisions that you're going to make day of, right? Whether sure, that includes yeah. a power of attorney or or not, there's definitely instances where, you know, my significant other was just in either a lot of pain or just kind of like out of it and needed someone to either reassure that they were making the right decision or just reconfirm that the decision that you had talked about before was still the right decision to be making because that day's pretty stressful leading up to it. So, yeah, exactly. And then there's the the big thing is once you get that uh, cute little baby into the world, making sure once again, eating your financial veggies is not the most fun thing to sit down and create uh, an estate plan just in case something happens to you. Cause sitting down and thinking about your, your untimely death is not always <laughs> what, what, what you want to do on a Friday night or like a, a Wednesday afternoon, but just finding a, a decent estate attorney who can help you through that process. So we mentioned the healthcare power of attorney earlier. The other thing is just making sure you've got your will. And the big thing is guardianship. So who's going to watch your kiddo if something were ever to happen to you and your partner is just incredibly important decision. And you want to make sure whoever is taking on that uh, responsibility is, is ready and is the person you want it to be uh, for that. So I think that's, that's a big part. And I meet a lot of people even in their forties, they got two, three kids. They don't have a will of guardianship. They're just like, it's kind of like an expected, mm, you mm-hmm. know, so-and-so will watch the kids. The grandparents will watch the kids, but it's also, if something terrible happens, do you really want, let's say there's two set of grandparents and you guys have had conversation that, um, they're going to go to your spouse's, uh, parents what would ever happen if there was a conflict between grandparents, other family members? And it's like, well, no, like one time Sam said that we would watch over him or it would just like, it's just so much easier if you just have it down on paper and the kids go to so-and-so and it's clean and cut. There's no family things. There's no family drama because how many, I don't know, but I, being in wealth management, I just, you, you hear some of the situations where, things weren't ironed out beforehand and then just family drama over who is watching the kids and and all that just turns into a whole mess. Oh yeah. Yep. 100%. And this is something too, we, we definitely didn't do, like we waited quite a bit to actually get this done. And I think some of that fear was just like, it was going to be this laborious process, no pun intended, mm-hmm. just to get things done. And, you know, it, it really wasn't that bad. It, it took a little you know, a couple emails back and forth, fill out a little bit of information, and then you go sign some paperwork. And we work with somebody that helped us kind of find that the the person to do that, that they had had used before. So it was nice to have the guidance in that, but really the process, not bad at all. So this is something that, you know, you can do pretty easily and that you should do, right? Yeah. And like, usually when you say estate plan, people's eyes glaze over, but it's really just having a will, guardianship, and just proper powers of attorney in case you're incapacitated and an advanced medical directive 
And those, you can almost fill out a questionnaire and get those done. And you, I would recommend not working online or anything like that. Work with a real person who knows the laws in your state. You can bounce questions off of them. It's going to cost you a little bit of money, maybe $600, $700 um, if you're not doing a trust or anything like that. And it's, it's worth the money to just make sure it's done right. And you're definitely right. It is just when you, when you don't know the steps and things are murky, it definitely feels like you're taking on too much on. And so if you don't know the steps, you kind of don't take the, you don't take the first step. And it's really 100%. not that bad. Yes. Um, then one thing I learned really uh, actually recently, and this was from an estate attorney, was something that's called a babysitter power of attorney. So babysitter POA. But a big thing is grandparents and other people will be most likely watching your your kiddo while you're out and about having date night or something like that. And uh, I, I've seen toddlers, they're incredibly resilient, but they're always getting into something. And just imagine if something were to happen and you're not around, you whoever is watching your kiddo, you want them to be able to uh, accept, tell the medical representative if something were to happen, like, yes, I want them to receive care and make decisions if you're not there. So you can do that with a, a babysitter POA or a child care POA. But just imagine if your grandparent or your parent is watching the kids and they have to call an ambulance for whatever reason, you want them to be able to stand in your shoes and make decisions. So that's, they might not, depending on the state, take your, your whoever's watching your kid's direction at that point. Cause I would just assume whoever's there probably knows what's ha what happened is probably a better uh, a representative than me who wasn't there at the time. Uh, I'm assuming if you are trusting them to watch your kids, you'd trust them to make the healthcare decisions for them as well if you're not there. So, Yeah, I, I'd be interested and it's okay if you don't know the answer to this, but is this kind of just like a blanket power of attorney for any caretaker that's kind of sitting in as a babysitter? Yeah. Yeah. You can do a blanket one. You can, depending on the state, again, I believe Indiana where we are sitting you can just write the person in. It can be a blank sheet of paper. And it's like, well, Sally Sue is watching. They can make decisions on behalf. And then while they're not watching your kids, they don't yeah. type of thing. You can just write it in. Interesting. I don't, like, I'm, like I'm sitting in North Carolina. I don't know what the rules are here. So that's why I encourage you to work with an attorney who does not. Right. They will answer those questions for you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The other big thing is definitely life insurance. So as we continue to talk about the ramifications of your untimely deaths, going out and getting some uh, some term life is definitely recommended. And once again, people think it's a laborious thing. They don't know the first steps to take. They don't know how much to get. I think it's, I'd rather somebody have something than have paralysis by analysis and not have anything. So like a general rule, rule of thumb is covering your salary until your kid is out of college or out of the, out of the house. So just take your salary, multiply it by 18 or 22. That's a general number. You should go get out and go get term. And then I would add uh, paying off any debt. So mortgages, cars, et cetera, on top of that. So let's say I was making a hundred thousand dollars a year. I want to insure for 20 years. And then I have a mortgage of 500,000. So that's pretty easy to get the $2.5 million term life in insurance policy. It'll probably cost you, depending on your house, $400, $500 a year. I feel like that's really affordable insurance for anything, for anything to happen. 
And if you've already got an insurance policy set up, is that something that you can adjust and say, hey, life conditions have changed. I'm now making more money than I thought I was making before. I need to up my, you know, the coverage of my term life insurance. De- depends on the, the term policy that you have. Some companies allow you to, to increase it and they'll just uh, proportionally increase your premiums that you pay. And you might just go out and get another term life policy. Oh, got it. And yeah. um, maybe this should also be stated, but kind of a best practice I'm assuming is even if your employer, let's say, well, I don't need to worry about that because my employer provides me with a life insurance policy. I don't, yeah. Like, I don't think it's an, you would suggest people go get like one on their own. Yeah. hundred percent. So usually employer life insurance is two times your salary or three times your salary. And that that's just not enough. So, I mean, we're talking, I would advocate for 20 years of your salary and the employer one, it's really great. It's, it's, it's incredibly affordable because your employer is helping you subsidize some of the premium costs, but I don't think that's just not enough money. I mean, just imagine if you're not there and your partner has to, you know, pick up, pick up the pieces of you being gone and they only have, let's say $200,000 of, of a term life policy that that's, they're going to go through that quick because right. the expenses are t- drastically going to change. You're going to childcare is going to change. You want the house paid off and you just want everything not to worry about for your kids. So I think more is, more is better. Got it. Is that what you did? You have a, a billion dollar life insurance? Yeah. I mean, ever since I, you know, started balling out of control, I had to up it. Right. Sure. So. <laughs> and then the other thing you can start doing too, as soon as you got uh, the kiddo is people start thinking about college and, and future costs of things. And a 529 plan is, is a great one to take advantage of. Once again, every state is different. Here in Indiana, you are able to contribute up to 7,500. You get a 20% tax credit for everything you contribute. So I always tell uh, all of my clients, friends, if you can swing it, anything up to 7,500, you get 20% back on your state return. So it's pretty much a 20% return on your your state income tax credits, it gets pushed out to you. That's it's almost like free money by uh, putting money away for for education. And every state's a little bit different. So I have clients in Colorado. That's just a tax deduction, so it's different than a credit. So credit is a one for one dollar to dollar lowering of your tax bill, and deduction is just a marginal reduction in your in your credits. But like California doesn't really have five twenty nine plans but just depends on the state. So just Google it. Virginia is very different. I have a couple of clients there. Their 529 plans are a little wonky. Um, so just seeing what your deduction limits are and, and what you can do there. Uh, is it worth maybe in the future doing a 529 episode? Like, is there a lot of questions about 529s? Are they typically like pretty black and white? Because I've got just like a couple of questions now. Go for it. We, we should probably do a full episode on it, but I, I think hit me with your questions. So what happens if you don't use it? Sure. So they are starting to change the rules around that to allow that situation to be alleviated. And right now, a big rule is you can take the 529 and roll it into the kid's Roth IRA, assuming that they have earned income and you have the same limitations of Roth IRA contributions, which is 6500 a year. So if your kid is 14, 15, 16, has got a summer job, has earned income, 
you can take that 529 proceeds up to 6,500 rolled into a Roth. Now you've got this tax-free vehicle that's kind of kicking off their, their, uh, their savings. You can take the money out. You just have to pay taxes uh, on the gains like a normal kind of brokerage account. So it's not locked in there, um, but you, any, anything excess that you've made money on, you just have to pay taxes on. So it's, everyone's worried about that, but at the same time, I know every, everyone thinks that their kid's really special and is going to get a full ride to, <laughs> to Purdue, but I think it would probably be best to at least have some money set aside for their future education. And at the same time, you can take it out. And you can change the you can change who the beneficiary is. Yeah, and and in the event that they do that, they are super smart, right? Like my kid, one hundred percent will get every scholarship out there, and he'll end up making money on going to college, right? Because he's so sure. smart. Um, but can you use five twenty nine funds for like housing, um, transportation? Let's say they wanted a car for college, right? Could you do that? I don't think the car you can do for for housing though. Housing. What about like yeah. flights? Let's say they go to an out-of-state school. I don't think transportation. No. Off the top of my head, I don't think you can do transportation. Groceries? I'm trying to think. It has to be school-related. So no, no groceries. No groceries. Okay. Yeah. But like books, boarding, living, anything school-related, yeah. But groceries, no. Yeah. Like transportation, no. Computer, laptop. Computer, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Computer, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then because of your concern there, what some other people do is they contribute to what's called an UTMA. So it's a unified trust for minors account. And that is just like a brokerage account, like anything else that you might have. You own and control it, but it's for the benefit of your kid. And that way you have total flexibility with what you want to do with it. You don't get the benefits, the tax benefits of a 529. But at the same time, you get more flexibility. So in that case, what I might might tell you, Fabian, if, you, if your kid is 100% going to get the scholarship, is like, well, maybe take down your 529 contributions a little bit, still contribute a little bit so you get the tax credit and flexibility in the future for kid number two. You never know, they might turn out like you and not like Kristen. And, <laughs> and then take that extra money and put it into UTMA for them. So you're starting their savings for that. Would, is a great thing that would do. Would you say take the money out of a, I won't name the bank, but it's <laughs> earning very low interest savings account that we've started for, but this is a hypothetical, hypothetically, we started a savings account for a hypothetical child. Would you say ditch that account and put it in an UTMA? Yeah, you could. Yeah. So, and so we have to remember is an UTMA will become their money depending on your state. I think Indiana's 21 and UTMA turns into their money and I wouldn't put it into a savings account. So if you, if you think about it, you're not going to touch this money for 18, 20 years. I would just open up an UTMA brokerage account and I'd put it into some stocks. Gotcha. But you yeah. said that's locked up until they're 21. Anama is not, well, Anama is your money mm -hmm. for their benefit. Right. But as soon as they turn 21, depending on the state, it becomes your kid's money. Oh, gotcha. So they could, yeah. let, let's say uh, at 15, he or she or they wanted to go on a trip to Japan. You could use money from the Utma to fund that trip. Yeah. 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 And then 
what lessons or what would you do differently with your experience, Fabian? As with anything, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I would just get things done as soon as I know about them. I think, you know, the peace of mind of having done it feels great. So the fact that we waited two years because we were afraid that was going to be this like really drawn out process, like I wish mm -hmm. we would have started sooner. Um, also learning about this alternative to a 529 or like an addition to a 529 with the UTMA, I think is, I, I wish we would have started contributing to that two years ago. Um, mm -hmm. So is, is that something that you can also open pride, like if you're expecting, like let's say the, the child isn't here yet or do they have to be born? I don't know. I don't know that. No one's ever asked me that. Um, you could, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't think you can do it out my, you, you might be, you can probably do a 529 plan, like for yeah. the benefit of your spouse and then just change the beneficiary to your kid. Yeah. You, you might, probably you need like probably a social that. security number or something to set up a net map. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Cool. So, good question. Yeah. That's all, that's all I got. That's all I you're got. Like you're like, you're trying to stump me. This is good. I like it. Can we use 529 plans for, you know, world takeover? For takeout, um, for, for pizza and, delivery. And uh, any other questions on your mind today? That's it. Awesome. Well, appreciate your time as always. And listeners, if you have questions on what we covered today, please reach out. I'd love to clarify anything and hear about your experience of what you would do a little bit differently planning for for a kid and then feel free to uh, subscribe share and reach out to us we're always looking for feedback all right bye bye